0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. And the Colts have their first win of 2022. Kevin Bowen back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Eddie Garrison is across the way. Eddie, I don't think you'll ever hear me joke Put you know make fun of put light out winning in the NFL. You know I, I I do think it's super super difficult. I think we get into these Monday reaction periods, and you'll hear me say this often over the next few months. I think you put things in a result box or a performance box. The result box, of course, is did you win lose. Or, hell, I guess, draw and how the Colts have uh, unfolded this season through three games. And then performance is a lot deeper. You know, that's a lot of what I liked, what I didn't like. How does what happened in 60 minutes on Sunday impact the rest of the season? But again, everything is either for me, performance or result. And the result yesterday is the Colts won that football game. Um, did they get gifted? You know, things that I would dream to see as gifts as a kid on Christmas Day, without question. Um, We'll explain all that. We'll go over all of that. But when you haven't won a football game in two years, in the month of September, um, when hell, you look at the AFC South yesterday, and now all of a sudden they look like a juggernaut against the AFC West. Right. At some point this season, Eddie, the Colts are going to have to make up for the two that I think got away in Week 1 and 2. And got away isn't the right term, but those are two games in May you penciled down as probably wins. This is a game on Sunday you did not pencil down as a win. you got gotten one of those back. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think you could breathe, You a little sigh of relief. Huge games coming up here with three divisional opponents in in the next four weeks, Tennessee and Jacksonville being the two teams you expect to be there at the end alongside you as well. A wild game, crazy game. Good to see you on this Monday morning.
1: You as well. Uh hope Max had a great weekend. So did, did. Rosie yep, and the did. rest hey, of the family. When,
0: when the Irish score 50-plus, it, it's a good weekend in the Bowen household.
1: I know, right? You got a, you got a little delayed birthday present there. Notre yeah. Dame with a big win. Uh, we, had ah, teach teach we, we had to teach Max
0: patience. Ma- we had to teach Max a little patience that the sports fandom uh, can be cruel at times. Um, and then I believe him and Mom took in the game yesterday from home and— yeah, a 20-17 to 17 win. I want to start here before we get into what I liked and what I didn't like. I just think the postgame emotion from Frank Reich in the locker room says it all. Um, you know, I said on Wednesday's pod, Eddie, I felt like Frank Reich was feeling some stuff. I felt like Frank Reich was acting a little differently. His words weren't that different, but just acting. Yeah. And how do you not? You know, just a human being. Frankly, I'd be a little worried if he wasn't. Acting differently, and just watch the post game locker room celebration if you haven't, mm-hmm. because that's Frank Reich pretty unhinged. Um, and you don't often see that from Frank. I remember the San Francisco locker room having a little bit of that feel last year for him, but I think that's a guy realizing all the chatter that was going around. And, um, I don't, if I were him, I personally would have taken the game ball and just walked it down to the visiting locker room and handed it to Chris Jones. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, that or is, Doug Tobe. Yeah, Dave, 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 Dave Tobe, yeah. Yeah. The special teams was a disaster for the Chiefs. And obviously the Colts had their guys in their own locker room with the defense that we'll get to. But um you know, we could easily be talking about a winless football team right now. Mm-hmm. And think about that. When you're paired up with the Raiders and the Texans through three weeks. But and I'll say this a lot over the next hour or so, you hung in there. And I'm a big believer in You can do with luck what you make of that. And I know that might sound weird. It's like a weird phrase, but there will be opportunities to take advantage of luck over the course of 60 minutes. But how well you play, how well you hang in there, um, how well other units complement each other, Allows you to turn the luck, turn the gift into wins. I think there's a lot of bad football teams yesterday that would have taken a muff, taken horrific kicking like the Chiefs had, you know, rare misses from Mahomes at times, a rare drop from Kelsey in the end zone, and they still would have lost that football game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the Colts did not lose that football game. So, major kudos to. This team continuing to do what they do in the Frank Reich era, and that mm-hmm. is more often than not, when the backs are against the wall, they find a way. Um, again, they got help, but they found a way to get it done, and in the result business, you need to get a W in that column with Jacksonville now at 2-1, and one, with Tennessee winning a game yesterday, and that sets up just monumental games coming up here. Over the next four weeks. We'll hit more on, of that on, on Wednesday's spot.
1: Like I said on Wednesday, how Colts would it be if they went out and won?
0: Dude. Sure tell they did. And just in general, like how NFL was it that the AFC South goes 3-0 against AFC West? Yeah. I mean, I've been the first one to make jokes of the AFC South all year long, uh-huh. you know, called the true TV division, uh, but boy, yesterday, and really, Jacksonville and the Chargers, I mean, that was a beatdown. Um, How but, was it
1: with uh, Jake being one of the, you know the only three people on the fan to pick the Jake Colts? He did. He
0: did go with the Colts over the um, over the Chiefs on that one. So uh, he he certainly didn't waste any time alluding to that and and, and getting to his uh, ego stroke early on a Monday morning. So what'd you like? Um, but yeah, yeah. Let's get into what what I liked. Um, I think you start with the defense. You when know, we talked about the blueprint last Wednesday, Eddie, I said I felt more confident in Jonathan Taylor side of the blueprint than the defensive side of the blueprint. I mean, Taylor had what, 20 for 70, something along those lines?
1: I think it was like 21 for 76, I think was the final.
0: You know, I mean, nothing astronomical by any means, but yet your defensive blueprint, pretty much job well done. There's the wild stats of the Mahomes and the Chiefs you hear all the time. You know, of... When the Chiefs score this amount of points with Mahomes, they win, you know, 99.9% of the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 20, or I should say the Chiefs are 28 No, when opposing teams have 340 yards or less of total offense. He has two losses in his career against those teams. Those would be the Colts in 2019 and the Colts again yesterday. I don't think the Colts, did the Colts crack 250 in the game? Um, let me look. Two fifty nine, total net yards. Two fifty nine. Uh, the Chiefs are forty five and zero when opponents score twenty six or fewer. The losses. Forty five and zero against the rest of the NFL. Zero and two against the Colts.
1: Wasn't there another one that they were like thirty three and zero when holding somebody to twenty points or less?
0: Yeah, that that would probably check two that losses. box as well. It's it, it's just. It's wild to think that the Colts have been this thorn in Kansas City's side. I don't know if you call two games a thorn, but... Um,
1: it's more of Andy Reid. I don't know. If, sorry to interrupt, but I, don't, no. I saw this yesterday. Um, I was scrolling through TikTok, ironically, and I guess Andy Reid is now 3-10 and 10 against the Colts in his career.
0: Wow. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I would not have guessed that at all. I can't imagine he's got many opponents with a losing record, let alone 3-10. of ten. Speaking of 3-10, of ten, that was the Chiefs on third down. Yesterday, And I just thought, in general, Gus Bradley's unit did a tremendous job of hanging in there. Seven of ten drives reached the Colts' side of the field. They were put in two awful situations if with short fields, and yet they just hung in there. I thought one of the most critical moments of the entire game was Kansas City comes out of halftime, and look at how Kansas City treated the end of that first half. It was almost like, dude, we're fine. It's the Colts. Have you seen them on offense today? Mm-hmm. That's literally what I felt like Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy were saying to Patrick Mahomes as they ran off the field. And part of me was like, yeah, I guess I understand their, their line of thinking there. It's 14-10 at half. I wrote my notes. When will the Colts' defense wilt? When will they wilt? And then I also wrote underneath that, don't rip them when they do. They did their part for the first 30 minutes. You have got to play complimentary football to withstand what Kansas City you know is going to eventually do. And they come out in that third quarter and just kind of methodically move down the field. You know, they don't get into a single third down until they get to that third and one at the 15. Ends up being a fourth and one. They run the fullback up the gut. They get a first down on the very next play. They've got a first and goal at the three-yard line. And I'm thinking right here, all right, they punch this in, they go up 21-10, and in my opinion, the game's over. I didn't think the Colts were able to score, you know, two more times and 11 points, obviously, there. You need touchdown, two-point. You need the field goal. Yeah, I I just – nothing from what I saw from that offense made me think they're going to do that. And they stopped them right there on the first and goal. McKinnon for one yard. uh, Pacheco for no gain. Third down was that weird kind of like Kenny Moore, like – like, just had his back turned to uh, uh, Mahomes the whole time. And Kelsey, like, didn't even react. Like, it should have been a flag out of that. It was kind of like an awkward play mm-hmm. on third and goal. And then they kick it on fourth and goal. Or they were going to kick it. They got to delay a game. They kicked it from the seven yard line. And it was another one of those moments where I'm like, what is Kansas City doing? Do they want to, like, get their field goal reps? Or why would you go for it on fourth and one earlier in the drive, but you don't go for fourth and goal from the two? But that was just a moment, Eddie, where I'm like, boy, this defense is. Doing, doing its job, keeping it a one-score game. It never got to two scores. I thought two scores was would have been the breaking point. Yeah. Because then you need score, stop, score, and then if you're going to win the game, you obviously got to get a stop at some other point. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think they were capable of doing that. But the fact that you kept it one score, kept the crowd into it the whole time, I think kept hoping it the whole time, and the combination of Russian cover. You hear this a lot in the NFL – The Colts had, what, one sack and five hits on Mahomes yesterday? That doesn't tell the full story. They found the great balance of disrupting him enough, moving him off his spot when the Colts dictated it. Not when Mahomes dictated it. Mm -hmm. Mahomes wants to move. We know that. But he wants to do the movement on his own ground, on his own terms. The Colts made him move. I thought that was huge. And I cannot say enough about the back end of the defense. Eddie, think about this. Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore. Certainly. The tackle on Kelsey on an early third down. Just beautiful textbook. Pass breakup. Well, I should say deflection to Rodney McLeod for the game-sealing interception. Think about what the Colts did entering Sunday. They made three notable lineup changes in their secondary. They benched Nick Cross. They started Rodney McLeod. So, you start Rodney McLeod at strong safety, and... Cross had played 100% of the snaps week one. Week two, they dialed it back. I think it was just over half. Him and McLeod pretty much split time. And then obviously yesterday, McLeod out-snapped him. McLeod played every single snap. Cross played one. But then two other lineup changes. We mentioned Isaiah Rogers last week. He played over 20 snaps rotating in with that nickel package. He hadn't played a snap in the first two weeks of the season. And then a third lineup change. We didn't see it until an injury happened. But Julian Blackman exits with that ankle injury, Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking this is a red flag. First off, any team in the NFL, when the deep free safety on the opposing team leaves the game, if I'm a coach in the press box, I'm radioing down and saying, deep shot, deep shot, test (laughs) him, test him, let alone a rookie replaces Blackman, and a rookie who had never played a defensive snap in the NFL, it wasn't Nick Cross, it was Rodney Thomas II out of Yale. He goes in there, and he handles his own. I mean, he made a beautiful pass deflection on one play over the middle that ended up being a holding penalty, so it didn't matter. But he was sound and solid. Think about that, Eddie. Three lineup changes, all pretty notable. In a week, you're playing Patrick Mahomes. And you don't – I mean, the one – what did they have? One play over 25 yards? Was that Juju? They had three over 25.
1: They had uh – Noah Gray with the twenty six, Kelsey with the twenty nine, and then okay, so Juju fifty three.
0: They had one over thirty. I, I knew it was small in, in a little bit of chunk plays. That was uh, something
1: I was going to say. I liked is the fact that when you look at when they, they only had five plays over twenty yards, and when you think of that Chiefs offense, you think of explosiveness and you know
0: around eight to ten a game, but you right. hold them to about five and one over thirty. If you want to take it a step further. And that was the incredible sidearm by Mahomes to Juju, Juju, who then took off for about a 50-some yarder. That is just a major hat tip to the secondary. I mean, losing Blackman, he's one of your most important players. And losing him in-game, you know, I mean, you know, this goes back to kind of a credit of the type of character that Chris Bauer believes in.
1: I, I think to the preparation that everybody had this week coming in, like everyone was on their P's and Q's from what
0: it looked like. When you draft high-character guys, they should have a level of self-motivation that they can be ready for those moments. Mm-hmm. And Rodney Thomas II certainly was that. So as humiliating and awful of a defensive performance you had the week prior, job well done by that entire group, and particularly the D-line, in particular the secondary. Um, Gus Bradley for making some you know, personnel changes. I, I like that, you know, you know, that's something where you're sending a message. You're not afraid to change things. You realize the week to week manner. I know a lot of people will ask, you know, why don't you think Nick cross came in for Blackman? You know, could they have moved Rodney McLeod to free safety? That's where I thought, well, you know, Can you put McLeod at free safety and then put Cross at strong safety, which he's more comfortable in? Clearly, they drilled Rodney McLeod at strong safety all week long. They wanted him in that role. And then they obviously had a level of trust in Rodney Thomas to play free safety there. Um, So, yeah, you know, Mahomes wants to hold on to it, but he wants to hold on to it by choice. I thought yesterday the Colts kind of made him Mm -hmm. hold on to it. And there weren't even moments. I guess you had the first third down of the game when, when Kenny Moore got beat. But, Eddie, you didn't have moments where Mahomes uncorks a deep ball and with you know us up in the press box, we can look down and see the all-22, and you just naturally go, oh, shit, oh, geez. Like, you, you clearly see something that could be there. They had one of those plays, and that was that first third down, which he slightly overthrew Smith-Schuster. Mm-hmm. That was it. So, um game ball to the entire defense
1: uh i know that he probably didn't get enough love but i thought right from the get-go uh quiddie pay on that first play for kansas city got mahomes off his spot comes back with a nice tackle on the second play i was like oh boy look at quiddie but like like you said kevin they were able to get mahomes off his spot from the very first snap yep. and i think that's even more important for that defense and even more important for mahomes He's like oh bleep these guys are coming in if they're coming from play one are these guys going to be coming at me all day like this? And
0: continue to stop the run. Through three weeks, the best player on the football team is Grover Stewart. Oh, yes. There's no debate about that. I love me some big Grove. It, it, it's just a non-starter. Teams, you know, I think people worried. Would you be able to stop the run with iberflue gone because that was such a big focal point? Grover's like, yep, I got it. <laughs> he does so much in the run game that nobody gives him. Huge. Huge. And he's disruptive. You know, I was talking to him last week. I was like, dude, it's not just your space eating. Like, you're making plays. And, you know, you don't see that. His get off the line of scrimmage from, is one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, he's an extremely impressive athlete. What was the other thing that I sent to you that I, that I liked?
1: Uh, you said you liked the, the defense and then the final drive poise.
0: Yeah. um, Eddie, when the trade for Matt Ryan was made, and again, in no way can you say this, I think, without it coming as a shot at the previous quarterback so I apologize for that ahead of time but I just felt like the Colts would look at their number two in the huddle in late game situations this coming season and have some belief and have some confidence um you want to look at the post-game locker room again I just think listen to how the players react to Matt Ryan breaking down that huddle I just think there's a difference in him. Fourteen, you know, years in the NFL, the amount of respect. He was eight of ten on that final drive. And you know, the Colts really haven't had those moments much at all. No. In the Reich era, there haven't been two things. There haven't been many of those moments. And when they're when they have had those moments, they haven't produced. Now mm-hmm. again. Outside of two thousand eighteen. We'll get sure. And obviously the quarterback helps. Um we'll get to the penalty here in just a little bit that kept that drive alive but for Matt Ryan to because he does not get absolved from all the blame here when we get to the pass protection stuff and in general I just think Ryan it's a little shaky with his awareness right now and you know you you got him here to be the chess match guy at the line of scrimmage and I don't feel like the Colts have that advantage enough of it so far um but he clearly recognized that Kansas City was doing everything they could to take away Michael Pittman. And if you watch the touchdown, they cheat a safety over to Jelani Woods, and boom, he takes a chance with Woods in man coverage. Um, he obviously was comfortable throwing it to Pierce. You know, the, the, the Pierce and Woods plays, both of those are second and longs. Yeah. And if those fall incomplete, you're in a third and long, and now it's starting to get a little nerve, nerve-wracking nerve inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, so just... You know, Frank Reich often praises Matt Ryan, his ability to move on to the next play. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, If you just have a quarterback, that that moment, those moments will not be too big for him. There might just be physical limitations with him and this offense that limit the Colts there. But mentally, it shouldn't be a worry. Obviously, Pierce and Jelani Woods, those plays, just vital. You guys know full well the criticism I've had for the pass-catching group. Um, how do you not say job well done to Pierce? He had the high point of the ball down the sideline Mm -hmm. early in the game. That's the play we saw every day at Grand Park. It was in one-on-ones, and honestly, Notre Dame and Indiana fans, they saw that against their respective teams last fall from Alec Pierce. But that's the stuff we saw every day, and that's what I thought would translate to the regular season. I thought to myself, throw him two of those balls a game, and he probably comes down with, let's say he comes down with 35% of them. That's huge. That's Mm -hmm. enough. And then can you incorporate, if a cornerback is sitting on that, can you get the comeback route like he got on the final drive to where that corner's thinking, oh, boy, here comes another jump ball, one-on-one situation. Colts going to take a shot at the end zone, and then, boom, Pierce puts his feet in the ground, and he stops, and there he is for you know whatever it was, 14-yard game on that final drive. What can that last drive, when you got to the 26-yard line, your final two completions were to two rookies, what can that do to their confidence? That's a question I think you have to have, an encouraging question that you have to have coming out. It wasn't just that you had a game winning drive, it was that you threw the ball to two rookies and they both made plays in those moments. Were, were the catches the greatest catches in the world? No. I mean, Woods' catch I thought was very impressive. Yeah. Um, hand's catch, you know, definitely wasn't like some easy, wide open. Pierce was a little bit more in the routine form. But that's where you exit this game and you think, all right, if those two can bottle that up and build off that, can you alleviate an obvious concern on this football team? Um, So I just thought in general, starting with Matt Ryan and his poise, obviously that drive started with what, like nine minutes to go in the game? Um, For you to believe in your quarterback and then execute in that moment, that's important. That's important moving forward because... You're gonna be in other situations like that throughout the season.
1: You mentioned the confidence for Pierce and Jelani Woods, but what about the confidence for Matt Ryan? Like to be able to trust those guys in those big sure. when you need plays like that going forward, because primarily, you know, Pittman had been the guy that you needed to make those plays or Jonathan Taylor, but now you see Matt Ryan get the ball alec pierce he makes two big plays that they needed jelani woods with two big plays that they needed going forward i think that's only going to help matt ryan have more trust in those guys so you don't see him standing in the pocket batting the football and then getting a little bit of a happy feet or trying to escape the pocket to make the play last longer because i tweeted this out i think in like the first quarter um it was on that fourth down uh near midfield and Ryan had Paris Campbell open
0: across the middle the entire time. But he's standing there holding the football, holding the football. I'm like, you got to get rid of it. Yeah, I, that's one where I just thought the free rusher was right in his face. And we, we can get into this a little bit later. I didn't like the play call there. I thought I it was either. too slow developing. Yeah. You know free rushers have been in Ryan's face all game long. And, like, why even stick the ball in the belly of Taylor there? They, again, that just makes it even slower to, to develop. I, I will say, just in general, you're three games into the season, Eddie – and those that have drafted Mowally Cox and or Paris Campbell in fantasy leagues are quickly regretting it. So Even those, Naheem Hines maybe a little bit too. Sure, that's, that's a good point. With those two guys not turning to them in those situations, that just adds to the Pierce and the Woods importance. Uh, should we move to what I didn't like? Uh, let's go for it. The first thing that you had on there, offensive line. You know, Eddie, it's probably unfair just to say offensive line. Can I just say the pass protection operation? Fair. It extends deeper than those five guys. Um, Are those five guys the major culprits? Are they struggling right now? Are they playing nowhere near like the number 1 highest paid unit in the league? Without question. Um, You're having individual breakdowns. You're struggling with stunts. And the free rushers, which again is deeper than just the O-line, Way too many of them. And the inability to either know where they are g- coming from, know that they're free, but then, like, finding the hot read. You know, you watch around the NFL, there are free rushers you know, time and time again, but the ability to know where they're coming from and find the quick out, find the hot read, and take advantage of that is huge. Um it's gotten to the point, Eddie, where I'm watching Matt Ryan and I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, Nick Foles is going to start multiple games for the Colts this season. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Matt Ryan's going to get hurt. He has been sacked 12 times through three games. He's been hit 28 times. He is on pace. If you take those 12 sacks and let's knock off the 17th game, because that always makes things weird when guys have played 16 games throughout some of their career and 17 now the last two seasons. That would be on pace for 64 sacks. And 149 hits. Those are horrific numbers. Matt Ryan's career high in sacks? 48. Career high. He's been doing this for 14 years. And he's on pace right now for 64. And I just think you obviously wonder about his health. You wonder, like, does he get gun-shy at any point? you know, it's kind of a human instinct. Like at some point you're just going to be, God, where's that pressure coming from? Or where am I going to get hit this time? And, um, on the free rushers part, it is some combination of a Matt Ryan, Ryan Kelly issue. And that I think is what is very frustrating to watch in that you have 22 years of combined experience in those two guys. And yes, they're new playing together, but still, Mm -hmm. I mean the a gap right up the gut, like it's, 15 years of Ryan, seven years of Kelly. Um, again, this is supposed to be where the Colts have a strength. What they lost in Carson Wentz was a guy that keeps keep some plays alive with his legs, his, you know, escapability, all of that. What you gain in Ryan is you stay out of needing to keep plays alive. Yeah, You find simple better. You have an advantage at the line of scrimmage over 90% of the teams and the defenses that you play, and I haven't felt that with the Colts. So – you. you You need better. And I, you know, Frank Wright gives full autonomy at the line of scrimmage to his quarterbacks. You need better from Ryan. The Colts have a whole lot invested in their, you know, standard operating procedure, I believe is the acronym or the SOP um, that they use for game planning, for pass protection each week. And right now, man, there are struggles. What you are losing in the boneheaded plays, you're supposed to be getting in the smarter plays. There's still the boneheaded stuff. And you could make the argument that you aren't finding simple very well. So, um, again, you can give slices to the pie to everybody. You have Matt Ryan issues. You obviously have individual questions. Do you make changes to your offensive line? I think those are questions we can get to when Twitter time rolls around. Um, you know, they just kind of handed Danny Pinter and Matt Pryor starting jobs in the offseason. Not a lot of competition there. Chris Reed, did he want to go back to Minnesota? I, I'm sure that probably played into some of it. Mark Golinski, obviously. But, like, again, we talked about the depth of the O-line. You know, no starts outside of Dennis Kelly from anybody. Mm-hmm. He, Will Fries was is n- never a serious threat at right guard. And Pryor, while he has, you know, position flex, it's like, well, you want him to train at left tackle. How much can he... Over to right guard and possibly compete with Danny Pinter for that job. Obviously, Pinter just looks physically overmatched right now. Um, so I don't know if it's a position coach issue with Chris Strausser, if this is mainly personnel. Again, I, I think you put blame a little bit everywhere. And in short yardage, you just don't have an advantage. I mean, I, I'm Team QB sneak it virtually every time. Yep. In those moments, they finally did it. And like, I know people were like, why did Jonathan Taylor jump so early? On the one, I'd argue he had to jump that early. Kansas City reset the line of scrimmage two yards in the backfield. Yeah,
1: I thought the I thought the formation was interesting on that. You show it on tape now that it's there. There's a possibility now. You I think you can you fake it to Taylor and you can do a pitch to Hines later down Was Taylor down the a road. fullback on that one? No, it was it was a split back.
0: Split back, that's right. Kansas City did the fullback dive. Yeah. I kind of like Taylor at fullback, honestly. Just kind of get to the line of scrimmage quick. They see yeah. Hines at the top of the eye, if you will, and they don't even know where Taylor is briefly, and boom, you just hand it to him and you get a yard. But um, this is an issue. It's an issue, and it's impacting the entire football team right now, particularly that offense. And it's not like you've played these vaunted defensive lines. You know, Jacksonville got some guys, sure. You know, Kansas City's got Chris Jones, but I mean, Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlop are getting up there a lot in age. There's a reason why they've been on the open market yeah, for as much as they have been, particularly Dunlop. Um, and then the la- the last thing that you said you didn't
1: like was need the gifts.
0: Yeah, it, and I want to focus here on like just making sure that the Colts don't sit there today. And based off you know Matt Ryan's message in that post-game locker room, I don't think he will bring this, but let's just make sure that you don't think the gifts are going to be there every week. Mm-hmm. And just acknowledge that that 60-minute effort the Colts just put on tape yesterday, that will not get them to 10 wins or whatever they want in the AFC South this season. Um, you were fortunate. You took advantage. Part of that is a 17-game NFL season where teams give you gifts. Now, granted, I don't know if I've seen a quality of an opponent or a head coach that I have respect in, like Andy Reid, give you as many gifts as they did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, like Game balls, to me, they go to the defense. Again, they go to Chris Jones. And I would give him to Jim Irsay for opening up the, the roof and the window. <laughs> you yeah. can make the argument, Eddie. And this is probably the first podcast you've heard me say this. Our listeners have certainly heard me say it. I believe in game flow, and I believe in momentum big time. I think if Sky Moore fields that punt, oh yeah, the Colts lose by two scores. Uh huh. And I know some people would be like, "That's the dumbest comment I- I've ever heard." But that opening drive for the Colts was horrific. Oh, yes. Like, Ryan and, and Jonathan Taylor have the little easy pitch and catch out of the backfield. Their timing's off. The ball's thrown kind of behind them. Is it a drop? Like, And then Ryan gets smoked on third down, and you punt it away, and I'm like, oh, jeez, man, that's a horrific start. Kansas City goes down and score, and now you're playing from behind, and you got the ball to start the game. Yeah. And Sky Moore drops that, and then the next punt, he totally misjudges it. Doesn't want to field it. I think he was trying to
1: navigate through traffic at the same time. He's like, I, do I want to catch this or do I want to you know, risk getting bumped into and muffing another one? I was like, It almost looked like, like
0: he was like, I'm going to act like I want to catch it, but I don't want to. Yeah. 15-yard difference there. And that watched, was huge.
1: And I watched that Thursday night game against the Chargers, and I watched part of their week one game um, against
0: Arizona, and he did not look like that. Yeah. Fielding punts at all. And again, I say this in all seriousness. I think the open roof. And sure, a lefty punter and Ashton Doolin humming down there helps, but there there's something about that side. Think about all the issues. Kelsey's drop, the missed extra point, the missed field goal. Everything happened down there. You know, looking there's towards that sun. area. Sky Moore looking towards that that area. Everything was down in that area. CBS flashed up that graphic eddie right after the Sky Moore muff. The Colts had gone 14 straight drives without scoring a point. And then they score that touchdown,
1: and Jim Nance says, that's the Colts' first first half touchdown of the year.
0: You needed hope. You needed an injection of life. You needed something. You guys have heard me say this about the Colts when they've played the Jags in some of these matchups, some of these teams that are kind of on, on the ropes, and they just they need something. They're not going to go get it. They, they need it. The Colts were, were that team. They needed something. Sky Moore gave that to them. So I think that starts there. Um, whenever you have a post-game press conference and your head coach is asked a le- legitimate question on if he thought about the team's starting safety doing place kicker stuff during the game, uh-huh. that's when you know you have a kicking problem. Andy Reid literally asked in the postgame presser, did you think about having Justin Reid kick there at the end? (laughs) Think about that. Yeah. Your kicker is so bleeping bad, you got asked if a safety should come in and kick for him during the game. Um, Kudos to Chase McLaughlin. Kudos to Matt Hawk. Two guys a month and a half ago, I would have said, what? They're going to be pivotal in the Colts beating the Chiefs? Who? (laughs) And now here they are. McLaughlin good from 43, good from 51. The Chris Jones penalty. Um, I want to know what was said. He had to have said some slur of some kind. I have never seen a verbal unsportsmanlike penalty in the NFL, let alone one without, like, a warning. Yeah. You know, I never felt like— Or an altercation following. Usually you see some sort of shoving, some sort of pushing, guys having to be held back from each other— you saw none of that. We had Jeff Saturday on the morning show here earlier today, and he couldn't have disagreed more with it. I know it gets to the Colts that win. I absolutely hate the penalty. And, again, I don't know what Jones said, so maybe I should reserve comment without knowing what he said. But to me, there's just an element of emotion in the game, and I don't love when kind of the outside forces, if you will, uh, play such a role in it. Granted, EJ Speed, I guess, tried to do his part. On that final kickoff with his own 15 yard penalty. Um, Abusive language. That was the phrase from Sean Smith, the head official. I'd argue this too, Eddie. That was the head referee. He was standing right there, too. He was standing right there. What if that happens in the secondary? Does the back judge feel like he's got the clout to do that? Let's say that was, you know, Justin Reed and Jelani Woods after a play. You know, does that get called? And I'm a firm believer in this. If that penalty does not get called, the Chiefs win the game. The Colts had not made the Chiefs' punt, I think, in five straight possessions. So you would have had some combination of them getting back into scoring range, milking the clock, doing a little bit of both. The Colts would have had to burn some timeouts. That would have created more urgency for the Colts on their drive. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Colts had an eight-minute game-winning drive. It's a little bit more methodical than most game-winning kind of two-minute drives. Um, So... Yes, Kansas City puked on themselves. But you helped clean up the puke. You didn't stare at the puke. Uh, You helped in that category. And I'll reiterate to what I said at the start, Eddie, before we move to Twitter questions. When you get the gifts, are you still in a position at the end of the game to take advantage of those gifts? When Chris Jones does that, is it still a one-score game? If that was two scores, I don't think that really matters. That's you know, a fair it's, question to ask. It's not like you're going to come back and score twice in the final five minutes of the game. So the fact that you kept it there, and honestly, there's just that mental thinking as well, Eddie, of like it's a four-point game, not a seven-point game. So you know if you score a touchdown here, you you probably win the football game. Yeah. Um, so all of that, I think, feeds into it. So um, if this was a Kansas City podcast right now, oh my God, you'd be talking about the muff. You know, another play that I thought was big, when they stripped Ryan, they could have scooped that and scored it. Yeah, in the first half, yeah. Right. They didn't. Now, did they go on and and get a touchdown out of that drive?
1: Yeah, that was Um, the Kelsey touchdown.
0: That was Kelsey. God, I I didn't love losing Kelsey on the third down, third and seven, and then losing him on the first red zone snap of the game. Uh, But, yeah, man, the missed extra point. What was the fake field goal? Yeah. Why? (laughs) Why? You've got (laughs) Mahomes. It almost just felt like Kansas City, it was like it was like the varsity playing the JV and the varsity was, they were going to work on some things during the game. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah. this is the NFL. This is, you're in a loaded division, all of that. So, in conclusion there, you got gifts. Don't let that think you're a better football team than you are. Nice job by the
1: Colts, too, to contain Kelsey. Eight targets, four catches, 58 yards.
0: Boy, that's similar to what they did a couple of years ago. I think you had four for 80 and a touchdown maybe I can't he remember. had ten targets a couple years ago. Yeah, the uh, Kelsey tweeted after the game. You know, my drop cost the team. You know, Kelsey, Chris Jones, Mahomes, none of them were perfect by any means. But again, make sure you do your part in trying to keep yourself in position to take advantage. The Colts did that; they benefit from it. Conroy is the first Twitter question. Did the Colts win this game? Did the
1: Chiefs lose the game? While I appreciate people on both sides made huge plays, I can't help but feel like our coaching staff did little to help before the fourth, and the Chiefs did the complete opposite. Tack on if you missed field goal and, proof, and poof.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess I pretty much just answered that with what I was saying. Of, and, and the Colts, for the most part, do this. I know last week Jacksonville were The Colts usually don't get blown out. Like When they lose, they're in it, Mm -hmm. and they clearly were in that throughout. Um, It goes back to performance versus result. You got the result. Now the question becomes, what does this do for your confidence? That 60-minute Colts, that's not going to win double-digit games, but what can that build? Can Jelani Woods and Alec Pierce build on that? Can your offensive line and Matt Ryan and Frank Reich and Marcus Brady and everybody involved with pass protection, can you realize – such an issue for this football team right now, and try to get that corrected moving forward. The beauty of it is, you know, that's one of your t- tougher, tougher opponents. But at some point this season, you got to get two back. You got one of them back right there. Second question comes from Jay: Did Frank Reich
1: cash in his annual shocker underdog win too early or right on time? <laughs>
0: Boy, look at his emotion post-game, Eddie. I mean, I know you you saw the same clip I did. It just... All three phases. JMV and I got in this argument a little bit Sunday morning before the game. Uh-huh. Like, I think Sunday with Tennessee means more. And, I, and I'm probably looking at it more from a math standpoint. From a math standpoint, you'd rather win the divisional game than not, than win the Kansas City game. But from an emotion standpoint, you'd probably rather win the Kansas City game. Yeah. Just with everything that means, you quiet things for a week, you finally celebrate a win, all of that, Um, but again, I'm looking at it from math, and I look at Tennessee coming up on Sunday, right now you got Jacksonville, a win ahead of you, with the early tiebreaker, and remember, if you beat Jacksonville coming up here in, whenever you play them, a month, you'll split the head-to-head, the next tiebreaker will be divisional record, well, Jacksonville's 1-0 in the division, and you're 0-1-1, in the division early on yeah if you are to lose sunday and go oh one and or oh two and one in the division now all of a sudden you're kind of behind the eight ball and we we've seen these head-to-heads with houston you know back the watson luck years you've seen it with tennessee in the head-to-heads now maybe it's jacksonville that it becomes more of the head-to-head so that's why i just think sunday is huge and obviously for tennessee it's the same feeling
1: uh, beans asks, "Why did Nick Cross not play?" I hate beans, not this human, but just the food. <laughs> you? Not much of a bean guy either. I just wait. Are you talking about like beans in general, like green beans, pinto
0: beans? You know, I I just see him on the on the shelf when I'm buying some for I'm buying some like canned vegetables for Rosie. I'm like, what? I mean, I'll eat green beans. Yeah, green beans for sure. Black beans, nah. no. Why didn't Nick Cross play? Clearly, they have not felt comfortable with him out there. I did think in camp, Eddie, I don't know if these were the days you were out there. There were a few moments for Nick Cross in camp where the few bombs the Colts hit on, it was largely to do to Nick Cross. Mm -hmm. Or the ball was so underthrown that he just happened to be in position because he caught up to it and he made a play there. Um, But again, part of this is why you go out and sign a guy like Rodney McLeod. Yeah. Have that experience. And you know what? Eddie, how about the play Stefan Gilmore made on that final drive? I mean, that ball is completed. With how that game was going, I half expected Amendola to make it from 55. <laughs> or whatever it would have been. 60. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, 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 had, he had the leg. At least it looks like he had the leg. But, gosh, who would have thought Harrison Bucker's injury would be so big? Craig Raj. I am curious this. You know, do we just see those defensive personnel changes i assume that's what we'll see moving forward how much of that was mahomes defensive specific yeah how much of that was the weak outlier of such unique opponent defending them is so so different than hell definitely tennessee yeah this this weekend i do think that's something to keep an eye on
1: yeah uh craig raj and alex hey kevin hope all is well with new baby let you drink I didn't know if you had anything to say there.
0: No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate Uh, it.
1: Question for the pod. Huge win, but we can't get carried away. Still way too many offensive issues, especially with pass protection. Who is most responsible for all the Kansas City free rushers? On the broadcast, Tony Rogo put the blame on Matt Ryan for not making sure everyone has their blocking assignments. Who is the most to blame? Coaching? Coaching? Matt Ryan or Ryan Kelly concerned that a veteran quarterback can't get a protection right before the play seemed like that uh, is an area that Phillip Rivers did so well. But Matt Ryan was looking more like Carson Wentz with misprotection and fumbles after holding the ball way too long. Loved the win, but still have a lot to clean up. Thanks.
0: Yeah, I agree a lot with this. Obviously we mentioned three names. We got tons of questions on this front. Like the play that Dunlop makes and chasing Ryan from behind He's got to have awareness there and feel that. Like, you have to feel that. When you're not some freak athlete that can feel it at the last second and run away from it, you've got to feel it earlier than others. Um, And this is such a non-starter for your offense. And when there's questions about the dynamic playmakers that you have, you need your offensive line to be suitable, to be average. I mean, hell, Matt Pryor had a big holding penalty on that final drive. Yeah, That could have been a huge part of this. You know, somebody, somebody came up to me at halftime in the press box. They're like, yeah, Chris Straser will get fired after this game. I'm like, well, you know, I I guess he would be the scapegoat. I mean, somebody right now. Uh, we had Jeff Saturday on the show, like I said earlier, and I asked Saturday, for you guys, how was the operation? Like, yep. how was that handled? And he said that he would set the protection, and if Peyton saw something at the line that needed to be overruled, he would do that. Peyton would have final say, I guess on what exactly the protection would be. I assume, I believe that's how the Colts still do it. I would. I mean, Frank Wright gave, has given all these quarterbacks, I think, full autonomy at the line. Um,
1: I thought I saw Kelly, I don't know if it was with Rivers or if it was with Wentz. I thought he was making some of those reads occasionally.
0: Yeah, and maybe it's similar past. to, I guess, what they had with Saturday and Manning of the center makes the initial check and then a quarterback makes the final one I would assume once you get the line of scrimmage you would only want one person communicating that would seem to be kind of odd if Ryan's changing the play and then all of a sudden the center wants to change the protection yeah you know, with three seconds to go on the playground. I do think some of those checks to the third down screens I, I think some of that is Ryan some of the checks to Pittman mm-hmm. man you're just not blocking on the perimeter very well you know uh, Pascal. I think was a big loss there Doyle yeah. of course it is a big loss. I understand wanting to get Pittman touches, but obviously you lose one of your blockers when you're when you're over there. So the root of it, this has got to be better sifted out Monday through Saturday and you just you need Matt Ryan to recognize better.
1: Brian asks a Colts win is a win and we all will take it as a Colts fan. The problem is the same flags uh, seem to be there. The Colts got fortunate with special teams miscues. Will the Colts be able to compete uh, when they are expected to? Anyone can perform when you aren't expected. A true team gets Ws uh, when they are expected to.
0: Well, what's the early line for Sunday? I think I saw Colts favored by three and a half.
1: Pulling it up now for you. So...
0: I'm a degenerate, but not that much of a degenerate. Yeah. Well, what does that say about me? Um, <laughs> you're going to have some of these, some of that bullseye. Will still be in the AFC South games. Flat three. I mean, the Colts. We we also speaking of degenerate. The Colts are the, still the favorite in the AFC South. Like, and and they're not. It's not that close. Jacksonville, and Tennessee are not that close behind them. So you are going to have a bullseye in, in these divisional games. There will be no trap game talk in Tennessee about playing the Colts this weekend. Colts benefit from it. I expect the better from Kansas City. I did. I was dead wrong. Total for that set at 43. A little high for me. Gosh, that just... Yeah, I guess 24-20. Yeah. God, Tennessee, man. Their skill group. Oof. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin, and I know a couple other people
1: had this too, so we just threw in uh Dustin as the main instigator for the the question uh hey Kevin uh with Ryman with Ryman having guard experiences there come a time when they will try him over Danny Pinter
0: yeah Dustin I Bernard Ryman does not have guard experience I and mean, he's got tackle experience Matt Pryor has guard experience I Eddie I, I'm a little torn on this like if you're gonna make changes to the O-line I would think you would make two Again, prior to me, seems the better guard. And then what do you do at tackle? Do you go the rookie Bernard Ryman? Or do you go, what about Dennis Kelly? Seems to be kind of the forgotten guy. Not Mm -hmm. a ton of left tackle experience, but he's got some. Clearly the most experienced backup of any of your guys. Do you go there? And then obviously the elephant in the room is, do you make two starting offensive line changes in the middle? Like, is it just personnel driven? Obviously, Pitzer's had his issues. Um I don't think Will Fries for Pinter would do much for me. I think he's—I st- mean, it's a bigger body. It's more of a natural interior player. Again, Pinter had a tight end tackle background. Um, I, yeah, these are some interesting questions. Bernard Ryman missed the practice last week. He yeah. had been inactive for the game, so where is he at health-wise? Um, if you're going to do anything, my initial gut says Dennis Kelly to left tackle, Matt Pryor right guard. Ryman's health is playing into some of that thinking for me, yeah. that would be my initial thought. Yeah. Austin asks. I, but to answer the question, I would be surprised if the Colts did something.
1: Hey, Kevin, for the pod, I'd love to hear your thoughts on McLaughlin. Doesn't get talked about enough, but he made two huge long-distance kicks that I don't know if Hot Rod would have made. Thanks, and huge dub. Hey, man, couple of knucklers, but they went in. That's no all pic- that matters, right? No
0: pictures on the scorecard, baby. W
1: is a W? Field goals and field goals as long as it goes through the uprights and above the crossbar.
0: Next Sunday night, Bucks and Chiefs. Is Rodrigo Blankenship kicking for the Chiefs?
1: No. I think Bucker will be back.
0: What? what is, is it ankle? Ankle. Gosh, he's such a weapon, too. Yeah. I mean, Bucker, he's got a leg on him. Uh, Justin Reed, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, I know we laugh, but. Andy Reid literally got asked him. Can you imagine him, you know we're in Frank Reich's presser. Yeah, any thought to Nick Cross kicking today? <laughs> what? Seriously? <laughs> Trevor Binbo,
1: you still here or whoever Right, it exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: Uh Colt maniac. Uh now we have a W thanks to some great defense. The Colts should have some great confidence to hold on here. Let me re- re- reword this here. Yeah. Let me just get to his question. Okay. Uh, which do you think would be our biggest issue? The poor offensive line play, wide receiver core, or lack of quarterback of the future? Congrats on the new baby
0: and go Colts. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, it's definitely the last one. But in the short term, you know, quarterback of the future is the obvious. I mean, the Colts could win 14 games this year, and that would still be the, the biggest worry. But again, that's looking a little bit more down the road. Here in the present, Dude, I worry about O line. I, I maybe mm. I'm am I overreacting, Eddie? Like, no. I watch Matt Ryan and think that dude's gonna get hurt. You're not. You're not alone. Like he is going to get hurt in a game this year, and I that thought never really never crossed my mind with with Rivers. I don't remember Rivers taking like Matt Ryan's taking some kill shots, dude. I don't remember that with Rivers. Maybe I just need to pop in some film, but I think about those numbers I was saying earlier. Rivers
1: also checked it down a lot, too. Like, when he knew he was going to get pressured, he would just be like, all right. And again, some of
0: that's like awareness, you know, for Ryan. Again, I'm not, like, saying it's all on the O-line, but this dude averaged, I think, 34 sacks is the average for him in a season. And right now, he's on pace to be sacked 64 times. Hmm. Sheesh. It it just, you know, when you start to get this old and the hits start to add up, do you become gun-shy or— Let's say Matt Ryan is like a 7.6 on the physical scale for a quarterback. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) But, like, I hope that people know what I'm getting at. Like, his physical intangibles are 7.6. What if all of a sudden those hits now bring it down to a 6.8? Yeah. Does he have the velocity to throw that ball to Jelani? I mean, there's still some ball placement from Ryan that's like, damn, that's pretty darn good. There are some misses over the field, though, that, that he's having. Again, you know, it just
1: yeah all right last question from latrell i can answer the first part of this uh is paris campbell playing special teams no uh <laughs> if not why he really seems to just be taking up a roster spot at this point point. and oh my gosh someone rip up every screen out of frank reich's playbook
0: five catches in three games for campbell
1: yeah two on sunday in the final drive
0: And didn't he have the one in Week One where they did the little like flea flicker play or whatever to end it? The end the game, yeah. Turned into a flea flicker, but uh, pitching it back, whatever. He's playing a ton, dude. I I tweeted out earlier: fifty eight snaps on Sunday, eighty two percent, right? Is what the percentage was on that huge number. Pierce thirty two, Doolin eighteen, Strong, six. I'd uptick all those guys and shrink Campbell. I saw a stat earlier: Campbell's run one hundred and twelve routes this season five catches for 47 yards on eight targets. I, It's shocking to me, frankly, like that he's playing that much and that a guy that has speed hasn't gotten just touches. A screen. A screen, yeah, like, or a jet sweep. I, I guess he got hurt on a jet sweep, so maybe you have PTSD from that. But I just felt like Frank Reich would give him a couple touches, you know? Yeah. None of it. Well, that fourth down was meant for him. Just didn't have enough time. Sure. Um, but still, just a little bit more of like, hey, we uh, a drive starter, let's get Campbell a touch and see what he can do in the open field. Here's a crosser. Here's a mesh play. Yeah. So uh, you can look at that glass at full. Campbell yeah. and Allie Cox are not delivering for you right now. Woods and Pierce had a nice final drive. Or is this what to expect from Allie Cox and Campbell? Because, again, you were projecting those two guys into bigger roles. That's what the Colts were doing with their lack of – offseason moves at those positions so far none of it agreed I know you gotta run I gotta run he's Eddie Garrison I'm Kevin Bowen we'll talk to you Wednesday on the pod everybody have a good start of the week this has been Kevin Bowen thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner if you haven't already subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage